Welcome to EEN Moms Talk. We are going to explore how we are called to care for God's creation, what that looks like for modern moms, and how we can make better choices to protect our kids from environmental harm. Now on to today's episode. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to EEN Moms Talk. I am your hostess, uh, Beth Bond, the director of, excuse me, I've got a frog all of a sudden, the director of women's ministries for the Evangelical Environmental Network. And we are, you know, I always get excited about my guests. I love all all the folks who come on the show, but I'm I'm really excited about today's guest because turns out she's she's right here in Atlanta with me, so or at Metro Atlanta at least. And so let me introduce you to Dr. Lindsay Linsky. She is a professor who is called to write for Christ and Creation. She is the author of Keep It Good: Understanding Creation Through Parables, which has been described as a landmark read for every Christian. She serves as an assistant professor and coordinator in the College of Education at the University of North Georgia. She earned her Ph.D. in science education from UGA, and her dissertation focused on environmental education. Lindsay lives with her husband and two small children in Swanee, Georgia, where they attend Twelve Stone Church of the Wesleyan denomination. Welcome, Lindsay. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. We are... um, we are really thrilled to know that there's an author who's writing about creation care down in my neck of the woods, as I, I like to say. Um, so this is um, just really, really a treat. So um, let's just start with the yes. book because sure. um, you've, it was a 10-year journey, you were telling me before we got online. And I just want to mm-hmm. know, what, what was the call to write the book and what was the approach to write the book? Sure, sure. Yes, yes. And, and, and uh, First of all, I've got to give all the glory to God because, you know, without him, none of this would have been possible. It um, it really was an amazing journey. I got called to write the book um, as I was driving home from grad school in, um, you know, when I was working on the Ph.D. at UGA and I was listening to E.O. Wilson's The Future of Life um, and and. You know, which is which is a wonderful book, but it's you know it's kind of hard to listen to at times. But the last chapter is very hopeful, and um, he quoted um, somebody that said, you know, if if the two most powerful forces in the country, religion and and science, could get together on the issue, then this country's environmental problems would be quickly solved. And it was at that moment that I had the first. Um, epiphany for for keep it good, which actually I didn't know it at the time, but um, it, it ended up being one of the parables, and and that was that was the approach that I tried to take. I I, I tried to um, focus focus the book around those because I had a series of of about um, eight different just out of the blue epiphanies of centering on creation care, and 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 so that's why I like to say that. Keep it good is is unexpected and uh, and atypical it, it, because I really tried to mimic Jesus's teaching style. So, you know, it's 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 unexpected because it focuses on in on those parables, kind of like Jesus did. But it's also atypical because it's not your normal environmental book. Um, you know, it's I tried to make it something that that the most conservative Christians could comfortably read because it it focuses on on scripture. And, you know, I really didn't want the readers to feel judged or criticized. And, you know, because I, I do believe that, you know, even Christians that may be kind of eco-hesitant, if you will, or, you know, don't really pay all that much attention to, to creation, I, I think their hearts are in the right place. I think that they might just be misinformed. And so, so I tried to just make that. I didn't want to, I didn't want the book to be overly scientific or judgmental. It's just friendly. Again, kind of like, like Jesus' teaching style, hopefully. Um, and, and also, you know, when, whenever you're hoping for, you know, um, for a group of people to, to, to change something, I'm, and I don't care what it is, like diet or financial stuff or the way we treat others, the people that are hoping to lead them there have to, have to start with, with love, you know, and I know that sounds all like kumbaya and, and um, warm and fuzzy, but it's true. I mean, even on smile scales, like if you want your kids to, to change a behavior, you know, constantly nagging and criticizing them, you know, isn't going to do it. And so, um, and so I just, I just was trying to take a loving stance um, that, that um, 
hopefully shows Christians how we how we miss the mark on on creation care. Not all. I know that there are plenty plenty of Christians that that have got this down pat. But for those that are that are still a little eco hesitant, show them how how they miss the mark. Well, first of all, um, you, you can never go wrong with EE moms and starting with love. That that is where that's we right. do. All of our teaching comes out of love, and I think that's one of the challenges with the secular world is, I don't want to say they understand love, but we understand love as Christians in a very special, intimate way. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. when um, I dedicated this year, or I I picked a theme for this year, um, and it sounds absolutely insane, we did love and food waste, right? So, you know, we could think intentionally more about love, and then we also talk about food waste. So I'm right. not going to get us involved in that, but if people want more information, they can go over to uh, the website sure. and check that out. But um, I love that that we love, and I love the idea of this, this terminology of eco-hesitant. It always, mm-hmm. already tells me that you have a deep insight that's thoughtful, and mm-hmm. I already want to read the book. So let's do oh, okay. a quick summary Great. about what we sure. are in um, in the book. <clears throat> okay. Yes. Yes. Gladly. Um, so you know there, um, there are three main scriptures that I focus on in the in the first part of of the book um, that are commonly misinterpreted, and you may have heard them before. So what I'll do is I'll I'll give you the scripture and how um, how it's how it's commonly misinterpreted. So the first is you know um, God gave Adam dominion over creation from the book of Genesis, and um, and so that's sometimes interpreted as you know okay we've got dominions and we can do whatever we want, and then the second one is you know God gave us all things for our enjoyment from Timothy. And um, so that's sometimes interpreted as, okay, so that means we can take as much as we want. And then the third is we'll get a new heaven and an earth, a new earth someday, so this one doesn't really matter. Um, and, you know, uh, I focus in on those three um, verses in chapters 1, 2, and 3 because we, you know, by interpreting them the way I just described, that I be- you know, that's incorrect. I really believe that creation care is very much in line with Scripture. Um, and I could talk about those for quite a while, but I want to um, hone in on two questions. Um, so the first is kind of self-reflective. Um, okay, so we're made in God's image, which means that we can get little hints about about how he might see his creation by, um, you know, kind of looking at our own. So the first question is, how would you want your children to treat your home or your little mini creation you know would you would you want the children to to um you know just kind of take whatever they want or do you want them to be careful you know i think about you know my daughter like you know and using toilet paper like she she gets like yards of it you know like don't take too much don't you know so like little things like that you know looking at our own homes i think can give us a hint a little hint about about um how God might see his creation. And then the second question that I'd like to think about, I'd like for you to think about when considering these verses is, um, so thinking about God's character, would he really tell us to indulge? You know, that's not really, that, that's not really in line with how, what I know about God's character and, and self-control and moderation. So, um, so yeah, that doesn't really sound like God to me. You know, he's, um, so anyway, keep it good. Bottom line is keep it good. Ask Christians to do unto God's creation as you would want done unto your own. Which is which is so true. And it's so funny because um, I love how God always has his timing. So um, uh, one of the books that has really influenced Mitch Hescock, our executive director, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a book by Francis Schaeffer called Man in Pollution that was done back in the 70s. And last right. night... Um, I was just reading um, his explanation of dominion. If I had it in front of me, I would read it. But it really, right. I will I will put the paragraph that um, that really rang with me in the show notes so everybody can read it because he does an excellent job of explaining the term dominion. And unfortunately, sure. especially in our political lives, by people who profess to be Christians, and I am not judging them on their faith, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They use that term dominion to mean mm-hmm. destruction, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 
destruction is not what dominion means, you know. Right. Um, so I and love it that you. Versions, oh, sorry, go ahead. That's right. Go on. Oh, different versions of of the um, of the excuse me interpretations um, use the words stewards or um, caretakers and and other things instead of the word um, dominion. I, I like to say that you know God, you know, is the is the CEO, and we're just kind of the operating managers, <laughs> you know, if you will. So <clears throat> absolutely, and we're on our way to being fired if we're not careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, um, well, now I want to make sure that people understand that um, the book is available in two different versions. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure, sure, yes. So I I purposefully self-published Keep It Good because because I wanted – I I mean, I really believe in the message – and and you know I didn't even try to pitch it to to publishers even though um, I've I've been told that you know it could be picked up but but I didn't even try because I wanted I wanted to self-publish so that I could give it away to churches because I that's how much I believe in the message um, and so you know I so we, it is in print form and that's available on on Amazon and and BarnesandNobles.com and and also Lulu.com which was the self-publishing house that I used but um, but. You know, I, I had it. I had it changed into an ebook. You know, and so if if your church is interested um, in maybe doing a Bible study or something on this, then then I would be happy to um, you know to share that with the church if they ask for it. So so yeah, we do have an ebook version as well. Super. Now, just really quickly, tell us. Um, you told us some of the Bible um, scriptures that you've used in the book. Tell us about some of the like the. I always talk about we, you know, we have the Bible study at E and then too. So it sounds like, you know, they mm-hmm. could do our Bible study and your Bible sure. study and be a great yeah. pairing. Um, tell us about some of the topics that you cover for modern folks in the book. Right, right. Oh, definitely. Yeah, the topics. Um, so the the first part of the book focuses in on those first three scriptures, and the second part focuses in on okay, well, what can we do about it and. And so, yeah, the, um, you know, and that's why I think creation care is so, so important to the future of the church. Um, like, for example, chapter five focuses all uh, entirely on the poor and the least of these and how environmental destruction hurts the poor, you know, more than anyone else and for longer than anyone else. I mean, I mean, think about it. It's, it's the poor that live next to landfills, the poor that you know, can't afford to leave when the floodwaters rise because we've chopped down all the trees, you know, and you know, it's the poor who've, who've um, you know, are exposed to more pollution than anybody else. Um, and so I focus a lot on on Jesus's description, you know, of taking care of the least of these um, in chapter five for that reason, because, because I really do believe, um, well, and also in my position, you know, in education and in science and in academia, you know, I see and I hear how, how non-Christians are um, watching us, you know, from, from this particular angle specifically. And, and you know, I, I honestly worry, especially, you know, um, you know, the churches that are more eco-hesitant, I worry about how we are representing Jesus to the masses from that perspective. So, um, because, you know, it's all about, it's, we have to take care of the poor. That there's, there's, that that is much, that much is crystal clear in scripture. Um, so that that that's definitely a big one, a big one of them. Other topics. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go on. I was just breathing deeply. Um, okay. <laughs> Other topics um, include um, contentment. Chapter six is a lot about just being content. You know, because that's that's so much of what of what. Um, you know, Jesus's message was and being content with what you have. And that's also environmentally friendly, you know, instead of just rushing out and buying the newest version every chance you get, you know, being content with what you have. Um, You know, it it reduces landfill. It it reduces the strain on the resources that go into into creating all those new everythings. Um, So um, Chapter 6 is a lot about contentment. Um, and there's, oh gosh, so many other, there's nine what I call critical verses um, that I list out in chapter one, you know, Romans eight being one of them, um, about uh, when Paul describes uh, describes the burden on creation, and Isaiah 24, and, 
And yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's, it is without a doubt completely in line with scripture. Um, and so that's why I think it's, I think it's really important to the future of the church. Well, and we took the time to create a, a it's really, I don't I mean, it's not exhaustive, but a lengthy mm-hmm. list of Bible verses for uh, moms to moms and dads to use with their kids so they can right. teach their children where God is calling us to care for creation. And that's also available on um, the EN Moms part of the website. And we will link that right. in the show notes also. So um, I just, I love that. So, uh, you know, everybody starts writing a book and they may not have a defined moment when they begin, but now that the book's complete, what are your hopes and dreams for the book? Oh, yes, yes. Um, well, um <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, because I think I see the world through analogies. That's one reason why I focused on parables. And so, so um, my my hopes and dreams. It reminds me of of you know um, something that happened in recent history. So, um, quick analogy. Back in the 60s and 70s, you know, the um, the whale, the marine mammal populations living in and around the U.S. were like almost completely wiped out, and and um, and then. There was this one governmental worker, um, I can't remember his name, but he was recording underwater, I think listening for Cold War type of activities. And, um, and he ended up recording hours and hours of whale songs. And he passed those along to a biologist who then fell in love with the whales at that point and was deeply moved about their decreased populations. And, you know, but, you know, people didn't really seem to care. Like, you know, who cares about those big slimy things in the ocean? That doesn't impact my life. I, I won't be affected if they go extinct. And, but for two years, Payne just kept giving out these um, recordings to anyone and everyone he could think of again and again until God moved hearts and they started to realize, wait, these are mothers singing to their children. These are families talking to each other. And, and uh, people felt a connection to the whales and that started the Save the Whales campaign and then they um, so why am I telling you all this it's been my prayer for the past year that that Keep It Good and you know other books like this will be a whale song for creation that that opens the hearts and minds of eco-hesitant Christians to the heart of God for his creation you know, I mean, his eyes on the sparrow. You know, he waters the fields and clothes the lilies. And, and I just pray, you know, that they will see the the minute details that he looks at and cares for. And and I pray that hearts and minds will be opened to how God sees His creation and what we are supposed to do about that, and how important it is for us as Christians to lead the way. That's that's so beautiful. So glad I found you, Lindsay. This is awesome. Um, it really, it really touches my heart. I've been doing this work for ten years, so um, sometimes I can become a little jaded, right? I've heard it all, I know right. it all, which is never oh, yes. where God wants you to start, right? Where you think right. you know everything. And so I just love your passion and your devotion for uh, sharing this this important message. Um, let's right. switch a little bit because I know we've got lots of mom bloggers out there, and um, sure. And authors, tell, you know, there's always a process to writing the book. Tell us yes. what your process is and, and, and your encouragement for people who want to write and, 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 uh, and share their perspective on things. Oh, absolutely. Yes, writing, writing the book was, um, it was an amazing process for me, you know, par- partially because of these, you know, these epiphanies. And it was just, you know, so exciting. But it was also an emotional roller coaster because, um you know, it, it felt like, you know, I was just sort of feeling my way through the dark, you know, and every so often I'd find something that's like, oh, okay, that seems recognizable. And it was just this big cosmic jigsaw puzzle, and I was trying to put the pieces together. And that's probably why, you know, it took me eight years to have a full draft. I mean, I knew I wanted to write a book about it as soon as I had that first epiphany, but I didn't actually start writing it down, you know, for a while. And then, and then, yeah, and I w- and it just took a really long time. So the, for the mom bloggers out there and the people that are hoping to write a book and th- that feel called to write for God, um, the, the best thing I could tell you is don't give up and, and wait for his timing. I know, I know that that can be um, frustrating <laughs> at times. But, um, 
but but you know it, it's all in his plan and and so yes my very very best best advice would be to don't give up and and just keep writing especially when that when you feel that call on your heart to um and you get those epiphany moments you know i would keep <laughs> i kept i kept a pad of paper by my bed in the car you know i pull i wrote a lot of the keep it good on the side of 400 driving up to Delonica <laughs> too so you know because driving because i would just get these ideas and i would pull over and um so so yeah that that'd be my best advice is just to keep keep going keep trusting keep praying and and god will show you the way that's awesome. Well, and I know this is a very inappropriate sort of reference, but um, I was listening uh, to Chris Rock one time talk about his creative process. And what yeah. he would do is call himself and leave messages for himself on his phone when oh. inspiration struck, right? So oh. he would, you know, so he wouldn't forget. And I think what you're saying is, is you know, you, can, you know, look, if you're in the car a lot, and, and those of us in Metro Atlanta, we, we're guilty if you spend a lot of time in the car, um, you can have thoughts and then you can forget it, right? And so, yes. yes. Um, what, however way you're going to do it, you know, not driving, of course, pull over, like you yeah, said, correct. or something, <laughs> and and give yourself a reminder. So I think that's that's great advice. Well, I want us yeah. to take a little bit of a bit of a break, and then we're going to get into sort of more of um, a more personal side of the conversation. So we'll be okay. right back, y'all. Great. great. We hope you're enjoying this episode of EEN Moms Talk. If you want to engage more with us, you can follow us on Instagram at EEN Moms. You can follow us on Twitter at EEN underscore Moms. Or you can join our private Facebook group at EEN Moms. Just click to join and we approve you in the group. If you want to download our free Bible study, hop over to creationcare.org and you can download it there. We really believe community is the key to everything, so we hope... You will make us part of yours. Now, back to our guest. Okay, so we're going to, we haven't talked about this yet on um, okay. EE and Mom Talk, so I'm excited about this next little part of our uh, conversation. Um, you boldly wanted to talk about evangelicals, and I admire that because, um, you know, especially in the political situation we are, uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot. We're we're getting a lot of bad rap in the media. Um, one of the right. things I've really um, underscored and learned um, here, uh, working at EEM Moms, is that um, people don't understand evangelicals. They just understand what the media says evangelicals are, which drives me insane. Right. So right. let's just start with what do you see as Creation Care's role in the future of the evangelical church? Right, right. Yes, yes. And I do think I do think that creation care is so critical to the future of the church. Um, one because of because of what we we talked about a little bit already with um, with taking care of the poor and 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 you know how we are representing Jesus um, by taking care of the poor. Because you know uh, you know we do we do a great job, but we do an excellent excellent job. Of you know about about spreading that that message from Jesus and about about doing the mission work and you know we do a really really great job of all of that and that's really important but you know the fact of the matter is like it or not the way we live our lives can affect you know how much pollution we create what we throw away and you know our choices can have impacts on the, on the poor um, you know like like we said like they're the ones that live next to the landfills and all of that. So, so I do think that that a full and complete version of caring for the least includes creation care, and and I do think that's important for the future of the church, especially how we represent Jesus. Um, but also, it's millennials, um, you know, and you know, and uh, well, I I say them because even though some some definitions include me as millennial, but um, I don't really feel like it. But um, but yeah, but but millennials would be the other other group because they understand the science, and many of them care deeply, deeply about the environment. And and you know, I heard a statistic recently that seven out of ten uh, millennials take a college's green initiatives into account when picking a school. Um, you know, because that's you know, I'm in the I'm in the college world, and and they're looking at our our green initiatives too. 
And they, from you know what I've heard from my students and from many others, they, many of them don't want to be a part of something that seems to stand against something they de- care deeply about. And so I, I really worry about about the future of the church, especially in terms of, of even just you know, uh, putting people in the pews, but but you know just also in terms of their hearts and minds and 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 their their need their need for Jesus. Um, and on the flip side, um, you know there are churches doing a lot for creation care. You know my friend, uh, Tri Robinson wrote um, Saving God's Green Earth. He was a pastor for 30 years, and he talks about when he made the shift to um, caring for creation. And, you know, because his church, they did this tithe your trash thing, and they did, um, you know, cell phone recycling to send people to clean up after Katrina. And they did, um, you know, they had an organic garden where they where they gave organic produce to a local co-op. And he said that those those efforts, um, that they did was like discovering an untapped vein of gold for evangelism. It caught people's attention. It said, "Your your your church is doing what? You know, um, gosh, that's great." And it helped grow his church. Um, so so I do think that that creation care is so critical. I mean, and we could also say just you know about our own personal health and for selfish reasons and the, and our, the health of our children for sure. Um, you know, there's there's reason enough there. But I do think the poor and the next generation of the church are are some pretty compelling reasons. Well, and I'm going to – so before we got on, um, we were talking, you know, that I had been doing this work for 10 years, not necessarily in a a faith um, framework, but, um, you know, yeah, I'm the geeky, swankiest person that, you know, my father's (laughs) like, how did I raise this girl? So um, (laughs) – the but the the reality of it is is there are churches doing a lot of work, and yes, um, yes, I have yes. heard example after example after example of where pastors are like it's so amazing we started doing yes. this work and our our you know people took took paid attention, and I think one of the challenges we have as church whether um, you know whether we're uh, a mega church or even a small mm-hmm. uh, startup church is this is we get so focused on Jesus, which is good, but we yes, forget yes. that Jesus needs to go outside the walls. Jesus didn't say in Galilee, you know Jesus was you know everyone was sharing that message of love, and that you know we need to it's very easy to become comfortable inside the church. It's very hard to sort of strike out. Um, it's yeah. funny to me. I, maybe not funny, haha, but you know, it's interesting to me that we're more than happy to go overseas and spread the love of God, but that it's mm-hmm. actually a lot harder for us to do mission work at home. And yeah. um, you know, if we're going to grow our faith, which is what we're called to do as disciples of Jesus, we all know this. Mm-hmm. We got to get out of the church, and we got to get out yeah. of our homes. And um, that's I, I have to tell you that, you know, I spend a lot of time on social media. And the one thing that I'm a little concerned about is, is it seems like there's all these wonderful Bible studies and everything. And it helps us to make a better disciple as Jesus. Yes. And I think that is that spiritual development internally is incredibly important. But at some point, y'all, we got to, you know, we got to get out. <laughs> Get yes. You're good enough. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't have to be Absolutely. the perfect person. <laughs> right, 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 right. And that, that is so true. And and I think creation care um, is a really effective way of ministering to people who um, don't w- want to be ministered to, if that makes sense, because it does catch them by surprise and says, wow, your church is doing more. Like you were saying, it, it's, it's just amazing. So. Yeah. So, and um, I've I've been I went to like a USGBC, which is the United States Green Business Council. I've been to their oh, conference great. four wow. or five times, and they spent an entire. And look, look, this is a nonprofit, uh, you know, business oriented uh, uh, conference, and they spent an entire morning talking about how to green your buildings, and mm-hmm. um, had all these amazing sort of stories of just from the standpoint of like really starting to green your building and and what happened to the to churches that 
sort of took adopted that. So not, I mean, yeah. you know, one of the things that's important for for me is like we need to be a good steward of our tithes. And yes. if a good steward of our tithes does not include thinking about how we're using electricity in our churches, that's not oh, being a good steward of our tithes. Now, I'm not going to get involved in Georgia politics. We can talk about that offline. But there is <laughs> a huge portion to this for um, Georgia politics. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm just like, if if we're not teaching it in the church, <laughs> you know, where right. are we going to, you know, where are we going to teach it? So, um, right. And, okay. and so that, clearly this is one of my soapboxes. Oh, no, that's right, cool. right. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's interesting because, um, you know, there are, you know, more and more of us, even here in Georgia, that are, that are, that are, are rising up. And, um, you know, I know Bill Brown over in, um, on the Columbia Theological Seminary, uh, that's not, they're not evangelical, I think they're Presbyterian. But, um, but yeah, they, they've converted much of their campus into like a green campus. And, and, um, and there's, they're actually having next week, I'll be speaking on a panel. They're having uh, a seminary faculty come to learn about how to help their seminarians be um, more, more environmentally friend, friendly um, and, and to help. Because the people are coming, you know, people see these things on the news. They hear about these things and they want to come to their pastors and hear answers and and i do think you know about about the future and about and people are worried and um so i do think it's important that pastors be equipped to be able to to have those conversations and to give them yes yes and to give them that give them that information that they need well ironically i live walking distance from columbia seminary um, so I have oh. seen all their lead buildings go up, and I may yeah. I may ask to sneak in if, if my schedule permits to hear that discussion because one of the things I think that is really a challenge. And my mother went to Asbury, which um, you know is a uh, um, conservative, and a lot of Wesleyan mm-hmm. um, pastors are trained at Asbury, um, and it is not part of. Now, she's been there 100 years ago, so I'm sure it's more so. But still, for most people, it is not part of the the curriculum. And if we're not teaching it in the seminaries, then how do we expect pastors to equip, be equipped to sort of lead this conversation within their church? Absolutely. So I'm really excited that you're doing that. And I'm really, I might, I'm going to get some information from you afterwards, and hopefully I can. Great, great, yes. So, um now tell us, tell us if okay, someone gets listens to this and the Holy Spirit moves them, which I'm always excited to see. Uh, tell them what, some of your uh, first steps in regards to tackling this with the church. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I, I guess you know one thing that that I'd like to kind of I'd like to start with like a little bit of a pep talk. <laughs> Good, yay! We love it. Yes, so <laughs> you know because. I, I really want to emphasize that evangelical church is ready for this. It's ready for creation care, even here in the South, even in the Bible Belt. One of the most encouraging things I read recently was um, Sabrina Danielson. She is a um, she's a professor in Pennsylvania, I think, and uh, she wrote an article on, on shifting environmental beliefs among evangelicals. And she analyzed uh, magazine publications of Christian magazine publications for about 30 years, and um, she also analyzed a kind of a meta-analysis of of eight different research studies that show that um, the, the that culture war, the so-called culture war between the church and the environmental movement, is a myth. I mean, sure, there's some you know political elites that um, you know have very loud opinions you know against creation, and they broadcast those, but. But the vast majority, I mean vast majority, are have no problem, have no problem with, with um, would, would have no problem with green initiatives in a church. Um, and so that's why at the, at the end of Keep It Good, you know, I try to challenge pastors to, um, you know, just put out one recycling bin with a comment box next to it and just see if you get more, you know, positive comments than negative. Or you could take it a step further and, and survey your your congregation and it could be about you know a number of different topics and you know just survey your congregation and I I you know a scale of one to ten how much does this matter to you or something like that and um, I really think pastors would see 
the vast majority of their of their congregation is perfectly fine with this, and, and especially you know since gosh since with the effects on the poor, you know um, it comes a point where you just have to tell the naysayers because yeah you know, yeah there are going to be some. But, I mean, I think there has to be a point where you tell the naysayers, you know what, tough. <laughs> so, um, but, and also, uh, just one last thing with, with, the, with the pep talk that I wanted to mention, um, you know, because there are also, I know, um, people, you know, that might equate um, creation care with, um, oh, that, that's science. You know, science is against the church, and so we can't buy into that. And, um, you know, if you think that there might be um, people like that in your church, you know, if you're a pastor and you're worried about that, then I, I would encourage you to check out um, my new friend. My, his name is Cy Gart. Um, he, he was an atheist for most of his, most of his life, and, um, and, and he was an incredibly gifted scientist. Oh, my goodness. Like, he's written 200 different um, scientific journal articles, and I can't tell you how hard it is to get just one and and um so and he taught in these prestigious universities and i mean he was mr science and it was the scientific pursuits it wasn't a pastor it wasn't a traumatic life experience it was his scientific pursuits that led him to see by the data in his science that science doesn't have all the answers and um, he has just become the most beautiful amazing just megaphone for jesus and 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 so and his twitter feed is just incredible i mean his tweets just go viral so i i would recommend people that are hesitant for that reason to go check out by um and yeah because i do think that that would be that that's a good you know place to start in terms of a in terms of a pep talk <laughs> yeah well so, um Sorry, I interrupt. I just want to make sure before I forget um, that we get his Twitter handle um, that oh, we can okay. put in the show notes so people can follow. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I want to double check, but I believe it's at uh, S Y G A R T E at Sygart. Great. Um, well, that is a good pep talk. So, but let's talk about um, maybe. Steps. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell a story first. Um, okay, great. I was a member, I am no longer a member there, but I was a member at um, a Baptist church. Um, and we, I was like, we are wasting energy like nobody's business. And right. um, I mean, it was crazy. So uh, I got up and said, we need to do something about this. And we um, got an energy audit and the people who did the energy audit, had a scale from one to a hundred, which is what the Energy Star, mm-hmm. the government uses. Okay. And out of right. one to a hundred, we scored nineteen. Oh. <clears throat> which at oh. the point in time, the organization who did it, that was the lowest score they'd ever had. Oh no! <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so we scored nineteen. The good news is, is we've got lots of room to grow and to improve. There we go. That's uh, right. Um, the bad news, of course, was is like, oh my gosh, you know. But the reality of it is, is you know, the conversation is a little more challenging because depending on your church, um, you know, where do you start having that conversation? Yes. You know, so 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 tell us some steps. Oh sure, sure. Yes. Well, every church is different, and you know, and every group of people um, in a church is different, and so. Um, but but yeah, I do think a, a good first step would be um especially if you think your church is more um you know is more hesitant to do um things like this a good first step would be um to make an appointment with your pastor and you know i I mean you can talk to them after a service but there's always you know a line of people so uh, i think it would be good to make an appointment with your pastor and just share your heart for creation i mean i i think it's share when you fell in love with creation, you know, what was it, you know, from your childhood or whatever, share your heart for creation first and foremost, and then, and then share about why you believe it's important for you as a church to care for creation. And, you know, I can use myself as an example, you know, because I was, I was nervous to do just that. 
um, and and I go to a, I go to an amazing church here in Georgia called Twelve Stone. I have been since 2009. They're really innovative and they're always doing something fresh and new and interesting. Um, and last year they had this "What's on Your Mind" series where they wanted the congregation to write in about what's important to them and what they wanted to hear from faith. And um, and so of course I wrote in about creation care and you know it was it was my first time. Um, sitting down, I sat down with my campus pastor because you know we've got nine campuses, and I sat down with my campus pastor, and I was so encouraged uh, because he he's a creation care advocate as well, and he told me all about um, Twelve Stones, you know, energy conservation initiatives and water conservation initiatives. I mean, granted, they are doing more behind the scenes stuff, and um, and so we're working. My campus pastor and I are you know kind of you know thinking through different things to help. Um, bring that more to the forefront because, and I don't think it's like anything. I don't think it's anything nefarious or that they're against creation. I, I do think it's just that, like you said earlier, it's it's so easy to get bogged down in, and there's so many other topics. There's there's parenting. There's you know dealing with doubt. There's anxiety and fear. There's all the different topics that we talk about as a church, and so it's easy to push this one to okay back burner, back burner, you know, and just push it back, but. You know, the, but it's becoming more and more and more important, and the rest of the world is, like I said, watching our actions in this area. And so, so I do think it's time for us to step forward um, as a church. But my point is that you're, if you sit down with your pastors, they will hear you. If you sit down and tell them your heart for creation and how your 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 concerns, you know, about about pollution and the poor or or whatever you know, whatever it is. They will listen, and and the more creation care advocates that come forward, the more encouraged your pastors will be to uh, move forward themselves. Well, and um, so I we have a creation care team at my church, um, right. and we um, so this is another Georgia story, but I, I t- I'm telling this Georgia story to tell people that check in your area. Uh, mm-hmm. Our church is not a nonprofit because we rent the building out to a Mother's Day Out program so they consider that a business. But the oh, good news yeah. about this is is the, um, the uh, we're considered a business and so we qualify for rebates from our local utility. And so mm. we, we changed all the lights in our chandeliers at our church um, and received a $2,000 rebate from the utility company for mm-hmm. um the, the the change so wow. the ch- I, I think they changed like 500 bulbs I don't know you know there's this big wow. traditional you know all those chandeliers um but so it ended I think it ended up costing like a thousand dollars to make make the change by after we got the right. rebate so there's plenty of options around there and I will just tell you um especially if you're in Georgia and you um want some ideas I am happy to come talk to your creation care team or oh, give me a buzz great. and because I, because I, I am not a theologian. I love digging into the scriptures, but I'm not a theologian. But I am geeky, geeky, wonky when it comes mm-hmm. to tangible things you can do at your church. So yes. um, that's yeah. So that's really great. Well, um, wow, we've really gone. I want to make sure we talk about motherhood. So sure, um, we're sure. gonna. If, can you hang with me a little bit longer? Because I. This has just been such a great conversation, um, and I want to hear what you're doing with your family. So sure. um, let's switch over yeah. and tell – how are you fostering a love creation in your kids? Right, yes, yes. So my kids are, are, are younger. Um, they're five and two, so, so we're doing – we're working on a, on a little bit of a smaller scale. And, and, you know, I'm a busy mom. i got a full-time job and, you know, with two small kids and then also, you know, because um, a lot of these creation care initiatives – you know, are are things that I have to I have to do on the side, and so so I really have to balance my time and make sure I get the most bang for my buck. And so one thing that I try to do, you know, is is pay attention to research and and make sure that that you know what I'm doing is has, will have a lot of bang for my buck um, with my kids. And um, and and so there's there's two things that that the research shows will um, really will really do a lot of good in terms of helping your kids care for creation and and just fall in love with creation um and you know i gotta give credit to um karen wood of the captain planet foundation for showing me this um showing me these research because it's so great 
So the first is just to get your kids outside in uh, just wild nature. I mean, kids really need a library of positive memories, you know, exploring wild nature. Um, because, you know, just taking them to parks is good, and being outside in you know, in backyard is good, too. But there is something really special about something that's entirely God, you know, and it isn't manicured. And, you know, there's something really special about, about just exploring the woods and, you know, turning over rocks and, and um, you know, wading through streams and, and all of that, all of just getting out in creation, um, untouched creation. And that um, there, there have been longitudinal studies that show that those have major, those type of memories on children have major impacts in terms of how they perceive creation as adults and, the, and how they, um, their environmental behaviors as adults. So that's that's one, and the other one is to get kids to solve problems, like little mini problems from their corner of creation. Because oh my gosh, it's so easy to get bogged down in all the negative and the gloom and doom. It, it's so easy, and actually, the you know the more gloom and doom you know, it, it causes nihilism. It causes you, it makes you feel like oh well, there's no hope in this. I just better not do anything. But if you help kids solve um, like little problems from their corner of creation, like citizen science is great for this, then they're hooked. Then they, that makes them want to solve another little problem and another and another. And then they, they find the bigger problems as adults easier to tackle. So um, like little citizen science projects are great. You know, even just like picking up trash off the side of the road or there's, um, there's great resources online to help kids with this. Project Hero, H-E-R-O is one, it's an acronym for something, um, I don't remember what, but, but that allows you to, one, check your, um, where, where you are uh, in the world and then find the endangered and threatened species near you and gives you things that you can do to help those species right near where you are. And um, so those types of little things are so great. The Trouts in the Classroom is another one that's free. It's paid for by Trouts Unlimited to just help because trout are so sensitive to um, to um, water pollution, and so their populations are really, really decreasing. And so they they um, help to help classrooms to raise up trout, and then they release them, and it's so wonderful. Um, so, but little solving little problems like that from your corner of creation is is huge for helping kids. Um, and that's you know a really great example of both of those is honestly the summer camp I went to growing up, you know, because we just wandered around in the woods for 35, it was like 3,500 acres in North Carolina and just wandered around in the woods and, and uh, with scientists that could point us in the right direction. Uh, and also um, we solved little problems. We had these big, we had these projects that helped to preserve. Um, and so, yeah, it was called the uh, Green River Preserve. And so I really think that those two things are really great. Um, and we do some of that with my kids, um, but they are still they are still pretty young, um, and so so we do take them because we do try to get them like I said out in wild nature. And we we drive up and we um, we get them out and hiking. We went to Tulu Gorge recently, and you know just just hiking around and exploring and seeing what we can discover, and um, you know and that's that's really really great. Um, and we're also fortunate. Um, to have a big tract of land. I'm actually sitting outside on our porch right now, so I apologize for the, for the lawnmowers in the background, but there was, this reception was a bit spotty inside. But, you know, I'm looking out over it right now, and, and we, we've got a pretty good chunk of property. It's not ours, but it's just forested area, and, and we love taking our kids out there, and, you know, because it's, it's, it's almost like all the, all the creatures from the surrounding area have been, like, squeezed into this one little pocket of wild <laughs> and because it's amazingly biodiverse and I love pointing out the you know the deer and the owl and the and several different amphibian species and, and just pointing those out to my kids and, and having them you know explore those and, and and have those just wild nature experiences and I hope that I hope that it'll stick around for, forever I saw on Wednesday there's a bunch of survey flags out there so I'm 
Oh, no. They're not going to concern. I know, I know. I'm hoping they're not going to It's Atlanta. We know what's going to happen. Let's be honest. Oh, <laughs> well, I'd love to hear from listeners if they have ideas. <laughs> well, and I've you know, we are very blessed because, right, we can go. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm excited to tell the story of, like, we can go, you know, we can go up to the North Georgia mountains, and there's plenty of protected land up there in the Appalachian Trail yeah. and Heights yeah. and and you know all this because you're up in the Dahlonega area on a regular basis. So, yeah, but I'm yeah right. survey flags and you're part of the world. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. Well, and you know that's one of the things. Like you mentioned driving, that's that's one reason why I think keeping little pockets of wild closer to cities is so important, especially for the kids that that whose parents can't afford to drive long distances or whose or whose parents are working so much. Um, you know to to try to provide for their kids. Having little pockets of wild near urban areas, I really think, is is critical. Um, you know, so that but that's a side note. But that's very profound. Um, and I will tell you, um, we'll talk more about this offline. But there's a lot of opportunity in Atlanta for uh, disadvantaged yeah. kids to get out to the wild. And there's okay. actually some really funny stories about like the scariest thing. There's a annual canoe trip, and they make sure they take about a hundred disadvantaged kids on the trip with them. And oh, um, the scariest yeah. thing was the cows. They had never seen cows before, and the cows <laughs> came up to the water and. So anyway, um, and we I could just share so many stories, and I know you could share, but these are really great tactical things that I've never thought about before. So I really, mm. really appreciate your insight on that. Um, I will. Yeah. I just want to say this really quickly, and then I want to let um, you. I think we're going to close out with prayer. Um, I would just love for you yes, to pray that'd for be us. Great. But that'd be great. And I also I had one last thing I wanted to say too. So sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I I wanted to just kind of end on. I have really high hopes about, I mean, I know that's not what we hear in the, in the media. I have really high hopes about evangelical creation care, you know, because I've noticed um, once evangelicals really take on a project, I mean, oh, my goodness, it's like move over. <laughs> you know, they, I, and I believe that we, like one of your, um, Andrea Summers was talking about that there, there is a shift happening and, and we can feel it coming and, and and there's something really special about about evangelical um, about the evangelical church, you know, because I grew up Presbyterian, and I went to a Methodist school, and you know, and that's wonderful. But there, I mean, there's there's something extra extra gung ho, and and how the how the um, how the incredibly committed that the congregants are to, to to our pastor's missions and and visions, and so I think if if the evangelical church were to really take this on, I mean, this country's environmental problems are over. <laughs> I really believe that, you know, because of how powerful the evangelical church is. I I believe it too, which is why I am yeah. so internally grateful to God for putting me in this yeah. position. I yeah. I mean, I I I I I'm, I could be better, right? Progress, not perfection. But I am so yes. grateful me to too. God. Me too. Because you know, I spend a lot of time. Um, in my professional life before I got to EEN with with the secular environmental community and yes. the nihilism is horrible. I, I just I tell people all the time I don't want to ever go to another environmental documentary because yes. I just want to go home yes. and split the risk. And what we yes. as Christians and evangelicals because we are training our people is we bring the hope. And Mitch, yes. you know the executive director always taught we bring the hope and and. You know that hope is is so critical for this work because let's let's be honest. Oh my gosh, right? I mean, it can be right. heartbreaking. I mean, y'all want to really yeah. be depressed? Go watch Chasing Coral. So, um, <laughs> yes. which is what right. I call it's the so second. True. I know it's depressing. not funny. It's so true. Right, yes. right. But I, so so okay. So I'm going to give some hope. One of the things um, I I love, and this is about getting your kids out into real raw raw nature is um, mm-hmm. if you take a two-year-old out on a walk in nature, um, what are they going to come back? They're going to come back with something in their hand, right? They're coming yes. up with a stick or a rock or, yeah. you know, the, <laughs> yes. like it's so fascinating to them, which tells you that God built this love of nature into it. And then we spend the rest of their lives trying to build it out of them, right? And so yeah. if we can just remember to be a two-year-old again, and just that's study right. the oh, magnificence, so right, of the the, right. the creation. And I wanted to touch also on this science conversation. Is this science? Um, you know, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of tension between scientists and and the faith community. But there's, sure. I really believe there's more scientists who um, either are Christians to begin with or come to Christianity because they learn how magnificent the yes. the planet is, right? And yes. so um, I, 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 the conversation and the tension between scientists and 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 people of faith, uh, Christianity, we we got to fix this, y'all, because it's yes. Yeah, the more we know about science, the more magnificent God becomes, right? That's and the right. more we oh, know, we don't right. know. I mean, people think like that's, we're going to get to the end yeah. of our, you know, our knowledge. I'm like, Pah! all we figure out is, is there's so much more to learn, right? That that is so true. That is oh, that's so true. And you know, it's it's funny um, because, like I said about sci, um, you know, if you if you Google quantum physics on our, our or look it up on YouTube, I mean, it's amazing in certain areas. You know, that's absolutely true. The more we learn, the more we, we find out we need to know. But there's also other areas like, like in physics where, um, you know, the more we learn, the more we see, whoa, whoa, there, there are some questions that we really can't answer, um, especially, especially like in quantum physics. And, and Sai talks about that, too, and, and that aren't quantifiable. And so I think it's really interesting that science is getting to the point where we um, where we're seeing that, and you are absolutely right. There are far more scientists, I would say, that do have a heart for Jesus or faith, you know, in general, and 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 are just and just want to be able to come forward about that and about about how science only amplifies their faith. It does for me, you know. I have a scientific background. I was a science teacher, and science learning more about science just amplifies my faith, without a doubt. Okay, I can't think of a better way to end this conversation than with that comment. And do you want to lead prayer, or do you want me to lead prayer? Oh, um, I would love for you to lead it. Okay. And then I'm going to let you finish. So I'm going to, you know, it's like that school thing, you know. I do my part, and then you can finish this out, okay? Okay, great. Dear Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your gift of creation. Thank you for teeny tiny pine cones and large whales. Thank you for the gift that you give us to teach us about beauty. You were the original painter. You were the original artist. Your love and your intentional relationship building with us as humans is shown through the beauty of the planet that you have created. And we are so grateful. Forgive us, Lord, for our sin as we destroy this planet or become apathetic to what our impact is. And dear Lord, open our hearts to receive your love and let that love pour out in the form of discipleship and let that love pour out in caring for your creation. Absolutely, Lord God. Please, please open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to where the new song you would have us sing, the new song you would have us sing for your creation, Lord, and and what you want us to do, and and your heart, your heart for your creation, and what it means to you, and what that means about our work here on this planet, Lord. And Lord, please help us cut through the through the nihilism, through the negativity, because yes, you are in control. Everything is. Everything is in your hands. This is all a part of your plan. Give us that hope and that courage to move forward and and do the work that you would call us to call us to do. In Jesus' name, we pray. Lindsay, thank you for being a blessing in my life today. This has been wonderful. And girl, we got a long list of things to talk about after this. So um, okay. we're going to let you go, but look for me an email. And we just so appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much. It has been truly my pleasure. And, and got to give the glory to God. Thank you so much. Amen. 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 Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Woo! I think I felt the Holy Spirit. I read something from Eugene Peterson that said that uh, that if we talk too much about um, our faith, that, that it starts to sound hollow. And I just, I'm I guess I want to apologize if it comes across that way. I just want you to know that I am so eternally grateful to God for 
revealing himself to me each and every day in this work and that I just love each and every one of the folks that I have met, uh, whether, whether they're at the beginning of their journey or the middle of the journey, no one's close to the end of the journey. And so um, I hope that you will find these, these podcasts really deeply meaningful and, and spiritual too. So um, I scheduled this podcast uh, for longer and um, I'm so glad I did because what a gift Lindsay was to us today. So, okay, we're going to have a really long page of show notes. Um, for those of you who are listening on um, iTunes or Stitcher, uh, you can find the show notes on, uh, if you go to creationcare.org and then click on the tab that says EE and Moms, you'll see EE and Moms Talk. And we have all of our uh, podcasts there so you can get the show notes. Um, Lindsay gave us so many great resources and uh Really excited about that. So um, we will. Uh, I'm gonna have to go back and listen and get all the resources um, for us. And then next week um, we will look forward to having another guest that hopefully will um, touch you to care for God's creation. And um, uh, if you would like to be a guest, I want to say this because this is really important. Um, there's so many people who are passionate, and and Lindsay's right. We don't. I mean, rank and file people are passionate about this. I want to talk to rank and file. So if you're passionate about the show, shoot me an email at beth at creationcare.org, and we would love to have you on um, as a guest so you can tell us about how you're caring for God's creation. Um, We're signing out, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of EEN Mom's Talk. You'll be able to get more information on our website at creationcare.org, and we hope that you will like and subscribe to these podcasts on iTunes or your other favorite podcast player. 